You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast, and I want to start this show off just by saying I hope everybody out there listening is okay. We had that terrible round of storms come through on Monday, and uh, man, I saw several tornadoes touch down. Poor, poor Jacksboro, Texas, man. Uh, I saw the tornado hit their school, completely collapse their gym. Um, and I just know several people were affected by it. And so I really hope everybody's okay. My prayers go out to you, of course. Um, so yeah, I know there was a terrible, terrible round of storms and I hope everybody made it. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you might've seen my picture of my poor nieces and nephews trampling in a tree in their front yard. Um, it really didn't do too much damage going into the tree. I guess it was picked up and kind of, you know, tossed over there. But unfortunately, trying to get it out of the tree, it basically crumbled and is now destroyed. And so my poor nieces and nephews are now are now trampolineless. Um, but I know there's a lot more people out there that lost a whole lot more than that. So truly, my heart goes out to you. If there's anything I can do for you, please reach out to me. And uh, yeah, we're going to continue to pray for you guys and help you guys out. So... So yeah, um, we got a lot to cover here in my little intro, so we're going to dive right into it. Um, man, ever since the bad weather on Monday, spring has sprung. It's been pretty beautiful the last couple days, and with spring comes application season and preference point season. Uh, in fact, a couple states have already closed, including Dadgum Utah, who decided to move their application period up this year for some reason, and I didn't know about it. So I actually missed out on my Utah point. Uh, this would have been my third year getting a preference point there. Um, so yeah, I just flat out dropped the ball on that. They just moved it up a little bit than they normally have it. Uh, so I missed out on Utah, but Yesterday, I officially applied for my Colorado elk tag. I've talked about it on here a couple times. My buddy Jasper and I are going on a late season, fourth season Colorado elk hunt. And so we officially applied yesterday. I had to burn a couple points. It's really not that hard of a tag to draw. 
Um, but unfortunately, that's just kind of what I had to do in order to go. But if I get an elk, like I am a okay burning those points. And so, so yeah, put in for Colorado. Um, and then I forgot that I, uh, I forgot to go for a deer preference point. So I had to go back in and do that. So Colorado's taken care of. If you are interested in a Oklahoma controlled hunt, that application opens April 1st. I believe it runs for the whole month of April. And so uh, you'll have about a week or so when this podcast comes out to do your homework and uh, and get in there and apply for controlled hunts. I always feel weird telling you guys about that because I'm basically giving myself more competition on all these hunts, but I just feel like it's my duty to let you guys know. Like that's the whole point of this podcast is to inform you guys on things happening in Oklahoma. So, so yeah, you're warned, go ahead and apply. Uh, I believe Kansas opens the same day, April 1st. Um, if you just want a preference point, not to actually hunt, uh, but just a preference point, I believe Wyoming is June 1st. I believe Montana is July 1st. Uh, I think Iowa is June 1st. Uh, let's see here. Uh, if you want to go hunt Idaho, most likely tags are already sold out for elk. Um, they, they keep moving it earlier and earlier. I think they go on sale now, like December 1st or something of the previous year. Um, so those, those are the over counter, the, uh, sorry, over the counter tags. Um, but if you want to put in for a draw hunt, it's actually not too late. I believe the deadline there is like May 1st. So if you want to go, uh, for a draw hunt in Idaho, there is no preference point system there. It's considered a true draw. Um, New Mexico is the same way. I don't know when their deadline is. Um, what else? Uh, Alaska's weird. They do theirs like November, December, something like that. Uh, and I know there's plenty of other states that I haven't covered. That's just kind of what I could think of off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, don't forget to look into preference points if that's your thing, uh, because it is, it is that time of year. Um, moving on here, what else we got? Oh, my habitat work. I know I talked about it pretty extensively last weekend. Uh, we had a dozer or our old dozer, uh, get fixed and come back. I believe it's a 1971. I'm honestly not sure. I know it's a seventies model, early seventies. I, I want to say 1971, a uh, little John Deere. I think I might've said last week it was a 550. It's actually a 450. I figured out, um, yeah, missing most of its windows. Uh, obviously no AC, no heat, nothing like that. Uh, but one side has one win- one of the two windows left. One side has no windows. And so I made the joke last week, if it's, if it's cold and windy, you face one direction and it blocks the wind. And if it's hot, you face the other direction and lets the wind in. Um, it also lets branches in, I discovered. Got poked in the face several times clearing cedar trees. Uh, but guys, I had a ball. I ran it for six hours straight. Um, and basically like, like I, I mentioned a few weeks ago, I had, you know, five or six spots I was wanting to clear and work on for, you know, bedding areas and stuff. And my goal for this year was to get two of those cleared. I basically got like 80% of the stuff cleared that I wanted to. Now there's always more I could do obviously. Um, but just kind of basically I improved my hunting a whole heck of a lot by the work I did on Saturday in just six hours. Um, like I said, I mean, it was mostly just cedar trees. I'm pretty much an expert at using the corner of my blade, popping those things out. And even with a small dozer, it's just not very hard to take cedar trees out. And so save myself a whole bunch of time and a whole bunch of chainsaw work. Uh, got a bunch cleared. Um, I, uh, man, I did some in draws. I did some on the side of the hills. I did some in the bottom of the canyon where I'm trying to make a nice big thick bedding area down there. Been working on it for two or three years now. Um, and I basically 
tripled it in size in just like two or three hours. Uh, so yeah, very excited about that. And then that is rolling into this coming weekend, which I also talked about. We are going to do some controlled burns. It was actually my brother's idea. Uh, man, I I love the thought of controlled burns. It just flat out scares me, if I'm being honest. And uh, I think I've mentioned on here, in, back in college, I was actually a wildland firefighter. So I'm actually pretty darn trained and knowledgeable on controlled burns. But I think I have enough knowledge that that's why it scares me, because I know what can go wrong. Uh, so yeah, but I'm very excited about it. My brother and I will be there. Uh, my wife is going to come out. My buddy Kelly is going to come help us and also bring his drone uh, so yeah, we're gonna get some cool footage. Uh, I was trying to do some filming last weekend while I was, you know, doing all the clearing and stuff because I want to make a cool video for you guys. I know I talk about videoing all the time and it never gets done, uh, but I, I'm trying my best to kind of video what I'm doing, why I'm doing, and hopefully someday we'll make a nice cool YouTube video of you know all the changes I've made to the ranch and then hopefully you know roll it into hunting season. And how that has affected the deer and the deer herd, and uh, hopefully, you know, progressed. Um, so yeah, lots of exciting stuff, basically. So did a bunch of clearing uh, this weekend. We're gonna do a bunch of burning. We're gonna burn all those cedar trees uh, that I pulled up. We're gonna burn some grass. We're gonna burn some, you know, brushy draws and stuff, and just turn our little piece of heaven into a complete paradise. That's our goal. Um, so yeah, like I said, had a lot to get out in that intro. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, sorry if you guys uh, just thought I was rambling along, but I'm very passionate about this stuff, if you can't tell. So so yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the intro. Uh, this week we have a great, uh, awesome guest, Andrew Mack. Uh, Andrew came by came by the booth at the Backwoods show a few weeks ago and was basically like, hey, you like hearing Big Buck stories? And I said, yes, I do. And so uh, I got his information from him, gave him a call a couple days ago, and uh, he said he was more than willing to come on and talk to us today. So that's what we've got in store for you guys this week. I hope you guys are ready for it. Just a nice, fun story session this week. So... Yeah, that's it for me. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go shoot my bow. Here is my podcast with Andrew Mack. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show this week. And today I got Andrew Mack on the phone. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing just fine. And uh, you were working late today. Uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit, uh, or I'm sorry, just who you are and what you do and what you've been up to. Yeah, so... Uh... Like you said, my name's Andrew Mack. I'm from Pushman, Tahoe County, um, and uh, I own a general uh, contracting company called MacCreed LLC, and uh, we do general construction, general contracting. Um, today, specifically, we're leaving Hoachtown, where we're doing a project, and so we um, we build homes and, and remodels and, and you name it. We uh, we contract it and, and take care of it for people. So that's that's what our company does. Awesome, awesome man! Doing construction around Hochitown, I don't envy you there. <laughs> that's a it's a booming place, but I'm sure it's hard to get stuff up. Uh, you know, just materials and stuff around there. It is. I I, expl- I explained to a homeowner yesterday that um, she she is from a uh, city. She lived in Tulsa for a while. Now she lives in Washington State, but. I was explaining to her the difference between, you know, construction construction work in rural America versus construction work in the city. You know, you have a plumbing problem. You live in the city, you have a plumbing problem, and you have you pull out the the 
you, you get on Google and you type in plumbers and, you know, 57 or <laughs> so pop up on your screen. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you do that in Hutchtown and seven pop up on your mm-hmm. screen. And if those seven are, are hooked up, you, you just wait. Yep. So construction in rural America is just completely different than construction in, in mm-hmm. cities. And so um, people that are building there and, and in these rural areas are really realizing that yeah. they're they're having to come to an understanding it that's not what they're used to but mm-hmm. it's it's just because there's more demand than there is supply right and so um there's a lot of building going on just not as many people to be able to service that mm-hmm. and so um so yeah it can be it can be a, a challenge mm-hmm. working in in Hokestown or any rural part of southeast Oklahoma yep no home depot down the street either if you need you know a fitting or something so uh, that's exactly right mm-hmm. well cool man well uh you uh came by the booth at the backwoods show a few weeks ago and uh and asked if i liked hearing big buck stories and of course i do and so i'm excited to have you on and and listen to a couple and i really enjoy these uh episodes because it makes my job pretty easy so uh, i like to just kick back and listen to the stories along with all our listeners and so um i'm pretty much just gonna hand it over to you at this point and i'll chime in if i got a question but uh yeah feel free to just take off and uh tell us about uh tell some big buck stories yeah, so I, I, the first one I'll tell you is the, the, the buck I shot this past fall during rifle season. So um, my mother-in-law, they own a few hundred acres in western Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, probably 15 years ago, there, you know, there just wasn't many deer where she was at. And it's just in the last five or six years, it's just really exploded. And there's just, there's just a lot of deer. Mm-hmm. and uh the hunting has gotten pretty good and, and so we uh we've been you know we go out there for for uh um, thanksgiving and christmas and so I, I always go hunt but the last few years I've, I've just been seeing quite a few more deer and so it, it's just intrigued me to kind of uh put that on my calendar to go you know as as an option to be able to kill a decent buck and mm-hmm. and uh we on our lease down here in Pushmataw County, we're just covered up in hogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of, of hogs that we have to the point that they they really have messed up our deer hunting this past year. We probably shot, I would say, 40 to 50 just going out there deer hunting mm-hmm. during deer season. I mean, it's not uncommon to see 70 hogs. You'll see 30 in a, in a bunch here and 30 over there. I mean, they're just they're just covered up. <laughs> on our lease and so they had a lot of our deer pushback and i didn't see very many deer this past year hmm. and so when we went to uh thanksgiving i was like well maybe i'll have a chance to uh shoot a buck because I, I only had one decent shooter deer um during bow season he'd got downwind of me about 40 yards he was actually it was kind of weird i rattled him up and he kind of instead of coming straight downwind i kind of had him pinched with a creek but um, instead of coming straight down, he's kind of cross-cutting the wind on me. And I had him, I was about halfway stood up out of my tree stand trying to reach for my bow when he stopped. And, and he just turned and kind of walked um, quarter of the way away from me. And I never did see him again. He was probably a 135-inch deer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I was thinking of shooting with my bow. Mm-hmm. He was mature. And so that was the only shooter buck I was even remotely around. Uh, 
up until rifle season. You know, and it, it was it's not uncommon for us to go in a sitting see 15 or 20 deer on our lease, and we were I was going and not seeing anything, and uh, but hogs, <laughs> and so um, we go out there for Thanksgiving, and we get out there like at two o'clock. And the wind, it's warm, the wind's blowing out of the south. and But they have this big green field on the back side of their place. And I was like, I'm just going to go to the north side of this place and just kind of sit there and I and, and wait till it gets, you know, kind of dusky dark. And I'm just going to kind of ease my way towards that green field and see if I can find see anything on it. And cause those, those deer just feed out to that green field in the evenings. And so I jumped the buck on the north side on my way i get out there about 3 30 jump this buck up um and so i was like well may i might be my only option <laughs> i might be my only chance right there and i blew him out on my way in so i sit there and it's i'm sweating because it's hot i'm like i'm not gonna see nothing out here and it gets about i don't know 45 minutes before uh you can't shoot and so i i start heading off to that green field and it walks down in this creek, and uh, as I as I out of this creek, there's a there's an old plum thicket, and I see these two doe get, and uh, and I, I guess they just they didn't they were looking at me, but that they thought they were hidden. That they, they're probably forty yards to my right, and I'm just kind of watching them, and I'm eating, and uh, that greenfield's about two hundred yards from me, and. and when I come up out of that creek, I'm, I'm really concentrating on those does. I hadn't looked up that greenfield yet, but when I got even with them, I looked up to that greenfield, and uh, it's kind of on a little knoll, and I see this really big body deer, and I was like, that's got to be a buck. And so uh, he throws his head up, and it, it's, a, it's a nice it's a nice buck. I don't know exactly how big he is at this point, but um, I know he's like he's a shooter deer, but he's still like 200 yards from me and I've got these does to my right. And I'm like, I don't know what, what I'm going to do because I'm going to blow these suckers out of here. And if I blow those does out, he's, he's, they take off running and blow and I'll blow him out too. <clears throat> and so I get this tree between me and him and I'm just taking two or three steps at a time, trying to just ease and get as close as I can to him. And he's throwing his head up and he's looking, he's looking around and, and, and he caught me moving, but I guess it was because I was behind that big tree. He could tell it was something. Um, but he also, I believe he knew those does were down there in that thicket. And I don't know if he just thought that it was one of them moving around because he really couldn't tell what I was. And the wind's in my face. I get to about 150 yards, and I'm like, I'm going to have to do something. He's kind of walking away. And so I hit my grunt, and it's, it's not loud enough for him to hear it. And so I snort wheezed at him, and when I snort wheezed at him, he throws his head up and he turns around and uh, gets facing towards me. And I hit my grunt, and when I did, he comes in a straight—I mean, he comes in a straight line, jumps fence, comes 150. I'm watching him through my scope, and I shoot him at 30 yards off the ground, right in the chest, and he drops in his tracks. I go back get the tractor, come back, loading up, because this is like, it's probably a half a mile from their house. Mm-hmm. And so I'll get tractor, load him up, come back, and he was uh, he was all kinds of beat up. Now, he was rutted out. He had cuts. 
he was cut all over his neck from fighting. He'd been fighting everything in the woods, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he had about 15 inches broke off of him. His back right G2 was snapped off. He had some kind of non-typical thing on between his G1 and his G2 on his right side that was broke off. He had a kicker broke. He had four points broke off. And I say 15 inches. That's just kind of a rough mm-hmm. estimate. Um, um, so he, he had 10 to 15 inches broke off off on him. And uh, he, he scored 136 with all of that broke off him. Mm-hmm. He had uh, 40 inches of mass. His mass measurements on his left side was five, 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 and four and a half. <laughs> and his right side was five, 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 and five. Mm. And so, but he was only like 14 or 15 inches wide. Um, he carried, he got all the score from how heavy his horns are. Yeah. And so, um, but it was just a cool hunt. It was a cool hunt to snort weeds mm-hmm. and get him to respond. We, on our lease in, in Push Talk County, we, we have, a, I've always had really good luck rattling up the deer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're real responsive. Um, I've snort wheezed at deer, um, and, but not had them respond like he did. I mean, he, which, you know, I think he, I think those does that was in that thicket, I think those were his, I think they were his does. And so I think that what he, when he saw me moving, caught glimpses of me moving behind that tree and that snort wheeze, I think he thought it was another buck down there with those does. Cause he knew they were there and he was just pissed and he was going to come down there and fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and like I said, it was just awesome to watch him watch him respond, come almost 200 yards, watch him through my scope. And just, I mean, I wish I'd had my bow because I could have killed him with my bow just as easy because he had yeah. no clue I was there. I yeah. mean, he, he, he had no clue what hit him when I shot him and, uh, and at 30 yards. It, it was just awesome because I <clears throat> just to watch him come that far, it was almost like, like a turkey hunt. <laughs> you know, um, you're calling a turkey and you call him from two or 300 yards. You get to watch him come in. Um, that's the way it was with this buck. So it was just, it was just a cool hunt. He was big, mature buck, old, beat up, just a warrior. And so, uh, you know, I wish he hadn't had over a 150 if he hadn't had everything busted off. But I, I was still happy with him. Yeah, man, that mass sounds crazy. Uh, I don't know what it, it seems like. We just don't get that mass in southeastern Oklahoma. I feel like you hear about that more out west. Uh, you know, West Texas, western Oklahoma, the more dry areas. Um, but man, that's cool. I've, uh, I've never snort wheezed at a deer. I've always wanted to, I've just never really had the situation. Uh, but it, it just seems like such a awesome tactic. I probably overcall, honestly, I probably do. I call a lot, but I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of luck calling, grunting, rattling, bleating. I, I've had, I've had a lot of luck doing that, man. And I, and if somebody went and hunted with me, they'd probably go, you call too much. But, I mean, I've had, like I said, I've had a lot of luck doing it. Um, I've rattled up lots of deer. I mean, I've, I've, I've killed, I've killed like a dozen deer over 130 inches in my life. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, uh, and, and a lot of them was, was called, you know, rattled. Um, I, I've called in a lot of deer. I, I had a cool hunt. Uh, and back in 2018, the deer wasn't very big. He probably didn't score 100. I don't know. I never did put a tape on him. He's probably 120 inches, maybe 125. But uh, it was opening day of muzzleloader, and I had not got to go out and do much hunting. And uh, but muzzleloader is my black powder is my favorite. I kill more big deer during black powder than I do any other time. 
Mm-hmm. And and I just like the style of hunting. I just I don't know. I just like I like black powder. And uh I hadn't got to hunt much and it was real it was real crisp and cool that opening morning uh, of black powder in eighteen and I, I didn't even have I hadn't even went out and got my stands right. So I didn't even have anywhere to go sit. I was like, I'm gonna take my horns and I'm gonna go sit on the ground. I have there's this spot behind this uh pond on our lease my brother shot 147 inch 11 point there um in the same spot and and i went with a muzzleloader um we uh uh i had my horns i sat down under this cedar tree and uh i rattled and this little spike comes out and then this other spike comes out and they're at right at daylight and they're out there sparring out in front of me at like 20 yards and so <laughs> they kind of they kind of play around for probably five or ten minutes and they walk off and i wait till that sun gets up pretty good and then i hit my horns again and i hear something just just i mean it's just running through the woods i'm like ah there comes a buck and he's coming from my left and it's weird because he wasn't coming downwind and every other deer i've ever rattled up they come downwind i mean they they have 100 percent time he didn't and uh he comes running up and susie I mean, I know he's a shooter deer. You can just tell. You can just tell. Uh, he's a mature buck. I come around. I shoot him at about 25 yards off the ground, right in the chest. He runs 40 yards and piles up. And uh, he is just ancient. I mean, I could send you a pic. I mean, he's just this ancient deer. Uh, he's probably nine years old. He's going downhill. Again, he was beat up. and But his rack is just this cool-looking, just... I don't know. It, it, it's nothing impressive, but it's just a cool looking set of horns. He was a cool buck. It was a cool hunt. And, uh, uh, I mean, we, I've had a lot of luck being able to rattle, uh, with deer here. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess I'm just always afraid I'm going to screw it up. I don't, I probably don't call enough. Um, the only mature buck that I've ever really successfully called in uh, I grunted in a buck that it was actually the buck I was in there trying to kill. Uh, but he came in, he came into like 10 yards from my tree, but he had broken off his whole like left side. And so uh, I ended up letting him walk and I, I shot him the next year with my bow. So it was worth it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've called in smaller bucks and stuff, but, uh, I've, I've tried rattling a little bit. Um, I've tried, you know, I'll, I'll grunt at a deer, but usually only if I see it, you know, just to try to get it to come closer or something. Uh, but that's definitely something that I need to do more. I, I probably need to do more calling. Yeah, I, you know, I think when it, when the time's right, I don't know that you can overcall when the time's right. I mean, it, it's one of those deals. I, I've, I've rattled and and I, and I have rattled and run deer off. I, I've done that, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but I've called more in than I've run off with it. And so when that when the time's right, I mean, you can't. Uh, I mean, you can't beat it. It's uh, a, which, you know, we went to a, uh, Kansas is known for, for the deer being real aggressive and and being a state that you can rattle in a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, I know that, uh, uh, I went to a, uh, my daughter went, got drew out where Choctaw, she got drew out to go to that hunt that little doe hunt they do at choctaw ranch at uh mm-hmm. daisy and when the biologist was there he was talking about how that 
actually the strain of deer that we have here in southeast Oklahoma are a Kansas strain, um, which doesn't make a lot of sense as far as the mass stuff goes. Mm-hmm. But he said that when they when they were bringing them in, um, when they were bringing them in and uh, back years ago, that that's where they come from. And so that's, I've always thought that maybe that's why the deer down here are pretty, uh, uh, attentive and, and responsive to, uh, aggressive calling tactics. Cause like I said, I've had really good luck with it over the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd believe that. I, I feel like our body size is pretty good down here too. Like I feel like we have some pretty dang big bodied bucks and stuff. So I, I definitely believe that. Yeah. It, you know, we have, on our on our lease on our lease down here what we have a, a lot of we have a lot of just really tall long kind kind of spindly horn type uh you know they don't carry a lot of mass but they make it mm-hmm. all up in hind length and main beam length you know yeah um that i mean i've got I've got a couple of deer that, that have 12 and 13 inch G2s on them, you know, just really long times. And, but like, like I was talking about with the deer I shot out in Western Oklahoma, I, I think his back times were, I think his G, G2s were like nine inches or 10 inches. You know, they, they wasn't, uh, that wasn't what was, uh, uh, uh made him what he was, what made him what, yeah. how heavy he was. So, you know, if he if he didn't have all that mass, if he hadn't had all the mass, I wouldn't have shot him anyways. The mass <laughs> is what when he's walking up, it's like okay, uh, it's a shooter deer um, mm-hmm. because of how heavy horned he was. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Finding that buck that has both—that's the challenge. <laughs> a lot that, of that, a lot of heavy, yeah, a lot of a lot of short tined heavy horned, and then a lot of long tined with no mass. So. Yeah, when you get those, you get in those. That's when you get those booners, man. When you get oh, them, yeah. when you have both, that's when you have, that's when you have the booners right there, which, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, I can, I can count on one hand how many booners I've seen in my entire life. And I hunt yeah. a lot. You know, there's mm-hmm. just, there's just not that many of them. And yeah. if somebody has the opportunity to get one, they, they're very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not I running around everywhere. Be- no, they're not. I got one that's going to be pretty close to that that I've been after for, uh, gosh, I don't know, three, four years now. But uh, he he doesn't live on our place. Like, I get, you know, some pictures of him every year, always at night. And so I, 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 the reason he's not my number one buck I'm after is because I know the chance of me killing him are pretty dang slim. Uh, you right. know, there is a chance. But, uh, but, yeah, it's, man, it's getting a picture of him compared to the picture of the bucks I normally get. Like, you know, it's him right away. You know, it's him. Yeah. I, I, I shot a deer like that in 2000 and I guess it would have been eight, 2008. I was bow hunting and which I guess they're back like kind of on the scene again. Do you remember Crimson Talon broadheads? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and I seen something about them again the other day. I thought maybe they wasn't even around anymore. So Uh at the time I was doing some, I was doing some filming and the, uh, the guys that had the show I was filming with, they were sponsored by Crimson Talon 
And so that's what I was shooting. And I was shooting their what was called their Black Mamba, I think is what it was called. So it was an expandable, but it wasn't a slip cam. And uh, it was October 18th. And uh, uh, right at daylight, I get in there early, bulletproof place I'm hunting. If the wind's out of the north, it's bulletproof. It's just a killing stand. And <laughs> I hear these bucks fighting before before daylight. You can't. All you can do is it, they're probably a hundred yards, maybe maybe not even that far down through the woods. You hear them fighting. It's still dark. You can't see. And and I hear something come running. I was like, oh, the bucks are the uh, one of the bucks is going to run by me. And and it thing's just running and running and running. And finally, when I can see it, it's this yearling. And uh, it runs by me two or three times. Just I mean, just getting just burning up. <laughs> getting burned up by a buck i guess and uh getting pushed around and uh it finally runs off and about 15 minutes later i heard something walking and uh to my right is a big cedar tree and i can see this deer through the cedar tree and then i see his horns i'm like oh my gosh that is a giant buck and so i get my bow and he's fixing it like the the trail he's on he's fixing to walk like 10 yards right under me but when he gets past that cedar tree to my right, he angles and starts walking kind of quartered away from me. And so I was like, well, here's my shot. He's probably 30 yards. And uh, and I thought he was quartered harder. Looking back now, I thought he was quartered away from me harder than what he actually was. Um, mm-hmm. So I try to put in like his behind his back rib and go to his opposite side shoulder. Well, he wasn't quartered as hard as I was as hard as I thought he was I shoot him I hit and soon as I hit him I was like oh my gosh because there was probably only eight inches of my arrow stuck in him and and I was like that is not good well so uh I get a buddy we look we find just little bits of blood not much of anything and five let's see I guess it's been five days later it might have been seven days later another buddy of mine and i we had got drew drew out for uh mcallister to go to uh the traditional there and my brother was hunting not in my stand but kind of in a general same general area and he had shot a buck with his bow and uh he told me about this buck. it wasn't a big buck he told me he goes that buck kind of run up there where last place you saw yours and I was like, and I'd made the statement. I was like, well, maybe you'll find my deer. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, he calls me a couple hours later and he goes, he goes, you'll never guess what. And I was like, did you find my deer? And he was like, no, I saw it. And I was like, what do you mean? How do you know you saw my deer? You don't even know what it looks like. He goes, he still has your arrow stuck in him. Oh, and man. my, my brother had jumped him up in a clear cut with a doe. And he goes, he goes, he wasn't 30 yards from me when I jumped him up. And he goes, I was thinking, what is, he goes, what is that? He goes, then I realized it was your arrow flopping. It had worked its way out and it was just sticking under the skin and it was just flopping. And that broadhead was still stuck inside. And he goes, all the fletchings was off. So I guess he was reaching back and biting it, pulling on it, you know, and he had bit all the fletchings off of it, trying to bite on it. And, uh, so that was like five days later, and then a, a local game warden named Eric Barnes, um, 
he had actually helped me look for that buck when I shot it because I'd went over on the county the county road. He'd come by and he goes, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm looking for my deer." And he got out and helped me look for him. Um, he told me later that about a month later he had a big buck when he was going through there one night, crossed the road in front of him, and it had a big wound on its side right there in the same mm. place we were looking for that deer. So it was the same buck. I never saw yeah. him again. But he. He's probably the, the only buck I've ever shot that I would say was probably close to being a boon. Um, mm-hmm. he, he was a true giant deer. That's what my brother said. He goes, I watched him run for 400 yards across that clear cut. And he said, he's the biggest buck I've ever seen out here. And I, mm-hmm. I shot him at 25, 30 yards and just screwed the pooch on him, man. <laughs> like, and yeah. and part, part of it, too, which I, that at that time, and I could never – Part of it was my shot placement. I will own that 100%. But I honestly think that that broadhead I was shooting, because of my angle, see, I think it deployed one side of that expandable. And mm. and I see, I think my arrow lost a lot of its kinetic energy because I think that one side hit open mm. and then your arrow just kind of torques to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, because those things don't, that's why they, that's why people start going to slip cam. And, and when that happened, I went back to fixed blade. Um, and I, I still shoot fixed blade a lot, but, mm-hmm. um, I do shoot the swacker some, uh, Hank Parker hunted with me in 2017. He hunted for five days with me down here. Worst mm-hmm. five days of hunting I've ever had, but, um, he, <laughs> he kind of, he kind of, uh, uh, made me a believe I, I like him. Um, they're pretty yeah. good broadhead. I feel like. Yeah. Now, did you say you and your brother drew the McAllister hunt, or just you, or just him? No, just me. Just me. Oh. Me, and we. I, I went up there a couple times. Um, okay. We we went out. We went out and hunted a couple times. Well, I'm jealous already because I've been putting in for that sucker, never drawn it. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, you got any stories from there? Um, no, and I, I will, I will tell you what to prepare for though, yeah, is if you don't draw out, okay, so their buck to doe ratio is so good. They're mm-hmm. uh, like five to seven days max and it's over and done with like, like mm. second week, first, second week of December, their bucks are all back grouped up. Really? Like huh. they they're they yes. Because they're because it's managed so well, they don't mm-hmm. have any they don't have that second rut. They don't have because the only reason that people talk about the second rut, well all that is is the does are gonna cycle every twenty eight days and they're gonna come back in again. And they're gonna mm-hmm. do that. I have personally seen deer chase in March. I've seen bucks with horns chasing does in March. And what that is is every 28 days they're coming back in and and when there's so many does and they they keep cycling estrus those bucks still produce testosterone and and, and so when that's happening they're keeping their horns on their head into february and march and it's a sign that you have too many does and and so they're as long as those does keep coming in they're going to keep charging and keep trying to breed but when that when that when that ratio gets down there see that that rut's going to be five to seven days it's going to peak really hard and then it's going to go down really fast and then it's going to be over and that's the way McAllister is if you don't draw those money weeks and you don't hit those like two weeks in the first part of November it is hard hard hunting and 
and taking calls, you might as well leave them in your truck, man. Yeah. Because those deer have been called at by 10,000 people. They don't respond to anything on that base. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that, that's my, now, that's my, that's my advice. Yeah. Um, are you allowed to take tree stands in there or is it all, everybody just pretty much hunt from the ground? No, you take tree stands in there. You can take climbers. Gotcha. You, you can take, you can take lock-ons, whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, you just go try. And the thing is, people, people go, well, you know, I'm gonna go find, I gotta find me a good place. You can go anywhere. There's deer everywhere on that place. <laughs> like, like, you know, it, it's one of those deals. You, you, no matter where you go, you're finding deer trails, you know. Right. Yeah. So, but those early hunts, it's hot, and, and it's just it's not. They're not good. I know lots of people yeah. who went early and they just there's just not a lot of. It's a fun experience, but mm-hmm. but but like the idea that you're going to go down there and kill early, like yeah, it's probably not. You you might kill a doe, but but as far as killing a buck, it's it's just a. That's one of those deals of of somebody who goes down there early and kills a big buck. They were lucky; it wasn't because they was good, you know. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, cool, uh, man. Looking at the time here, I think we got time for one more story. If you got another good one. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about my. I'll tell you probably one of the coolest hunts, man. You know, I like I said, I've had I've had the blessings to kill a lot of a lot of nice bucks over the years, and, and but in 2020, um, I got to take my uh, my oldest daughter on her uh, and be with her when she killed her first buck, and uh, that was probably the most fun of any any hunt I've ever had watching her shoot her first buck and and. Uh, and what was cool about it, we'd been seeing this deer for, and he, he was he was just a, a two year old. He might have been three, but I don't think he's probably two. But he was an eight point, about fifteen, six, one than anything I ever killed for my first. And, uh, <laughs> um, he was a nice, he's on the wall. He's, he's just a nice eight point, you know, probably a hundred and ten mm-hmm. inches or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. um, we had seen him three days in a row, but he kept skirting in a thicket. You know, and I wasn't letting her shoot, but about 40 or 50 yards, we had this little two-man, and, and it, we just had this, basically just a couple of shooting lanes that they didn't walk through there, you know, she wasn't going to get shot. He, he'd walked within 50, 60 yards of us, but just stayed in the thicket, and, and uh, the morning she killed him, we got, it was cold, and uh, she had been, she had been getting up three or four days, I was proud of her, because she was, you know, even for me, after about three or four days of getting up early, it's kind of like, man, do I even want to get up? And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, we get up and go, and, and it's crisp, and I knew, I was like, today is going to be a good day, because when, it's going to be, it's going to be cold, but man, when that sun gets up, the deer are going to get out and start sunning, it's going to be a good day. And right after daylight, there was this spike come and that sucker walks right under our tree and uh ken my daughter she goes can i shoot him i was like you can but i was like you know i think we ought to wait i said it, it's going to be good morning i said let's just let's just wait and see what happens because where we were at there was honestly a chance that they were really a, a, a big buck and uh so i was like let's just wait and see because i had my grapple too 
And so, um, <laughs> and so that, that spot kind of wins us and, and turns around and walks off and, and uh, he walks into a little cane break. And as soon as he disappears, I'm watching him disappear and I hear her go, Ooh, and I turned around and hit that eight point we'd seen for three mornings in a row. He's walking, he's about to walk right into her shooting lane. And, uh, he's just, he's just beating and, uh, and where he's walking, it's a 40 yard shot. And it's going to be as tailor made as you can have. And, and, uh, he, and I said, listen, I said, when he gets in that open, I said, I'll bleed at him. I said, you shoot him. She said, okay. And she's shooting a little 223 <clears throat> and he gets there and I, I kind of, man, and, uh, he stops and she shoots and he jumps and kicks and takes off running. And I thought when he took off running, it looked like the blood on him was way far forward. And, uh, I was like, I don't know, sis. I was like, I think, I think you hit him in the brisket, like forward in front, in the front of the shoulder. She's like, no dad. She said, I shot him right behind the shoulder. I was like, okay. I said, it's, it's all right. Cause he turned, he run uphill into the thicket. And, uh, this the thicket is not it's a cedar thicket is what it is mm-hmm. he runs up in there and you can hear him and i hear him stop and i'm kind of waiting to hear him like crash you know or fall over some well then i hear stuff like it sounds like he took off running again and that's when i got really concerned i was like man if he stopped up there and then and took off running again like i with that little caliber gun i don't know about this and uh, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not telling her that. But that's what that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we sit we sit there for probably five or ten minutes. And uh, and I hear something coming. I get my gun up and I'm like, oh, another buck's coming. And I look and it's limping. And then I get another look and it's him. And he had just made he went up there and made a big circle and come right back around. And I was going to have her shoot him again. And I'm watching my scope and he just falls over. Not. 20 yards from where she shot him to begin with <laughs> and and uh we get down and we get over and she she had she double lung that sucker i mean it's just mm. perfect shot exit uh-huh. wound and i bet he lived 15 minutes huh. i i it was crazy i mean he ran he ran probably 100 yards lived 15 minutes and she had double lung that deer uh it, it was nuts but he he, yeah. he come back and died within within you know, 20 yards of, and it, what was, was funny. I, I shot, uh, I shot this buck. It was just this funky looking buck in muzzleloader that year, just down the Creek from we, where we had shot him. And, uh, I, I shot that, I shot him with my muzzleloader and he'd run up in that same thicket in that same cedar thicket. And I'd went and got my dad to help me look for him. Cause I knew I, I was like, I don't know about this shot. And, uh, so my daughter Camden had went with me and, uh, she didn't want to cross the Creek. And so she stayed on, she stayed on the truck side of the Creek. Dad and I crossed the back there where my friend was. And, and what was funny was, uh, my dad was walking down this fence, this fence row where all these cedars was. And, and, uh, I was back behind him about 40 yards looking for blood. And I, I just, I was like, dad, we need to turn around and go back. And my dad, my dad said, what'd you say? And he's standing beside this big cedar, big cedar. Like it's probably like, you know, the limb is probably 20 foot from one side of the limb to the other. And, uh, um, I hear all this crashing. And I was like, dad, you jumped up my buck. And he was like, I did. My dad can't hear very well. Cause he's all, he's uh-huh. older. And he wasn't, he wasn't 20 foot from that buck. 
because it was un- <laughs> it was bedded up in the cedar tree and it took off running, was crashing, breaking limbs. He had no clue <laughs> that it was running, <laughs> that it was running through those woods. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so I take off running through the woods <clears throat> and I could shoot him. One, I had a chance to shoot him, but I, I was like, I, I didn't know exactly where I was on the creek and where my daughter was and things like mm. that. So I can't shoot. And, and yeah. cause I, I, you know, he turned around the woods and I was like, I don't know exactly where I'm at. So I was like, Oh crap. I'm just going to have to keep chasing him. Cause he was all hobbled up. He wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm. And so yeah. I get down, I get back to the Creek while well, I was about a hundred yards. I was about a hundred yards down the Creek from where Camden was. And when I come up on the Creek, she's down there to my right about a hundred yards and he's crossed the Creek, but he, he had crashed and was laying there looking at me i had to i had to i had to put another shot in him to finish him off type thing but uh what was so funny was my daughter had no clue that that was the deer i had shot she was just sitting there waiting on us to get back and she sees this buck come through the <laughs> woods and cross the creek she goes dad i stopped him she goes i went meh like that and she goes that's the reason he stopped i was like well I was like, I appreciate that, but I think he stopped because he had a bullet in him. I said, I think stopped. But but that was that all happened in the same within a hundred yards where she shot hers and I shot that buck. But it just cracked that story cracks me up about my dad because he was <laughs> twenty foot from that breaking limbs and crashing. My dad had no clue he jumped him up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> well, Andrew, I can officially say you uh you came through on your promise. You told us plenty of big buck stories and I appreciate it. So. Yeah, man, I have got I've got a hundred more, man. <laughs> uh-huh. well, well, we might have to do round two sometime. So uh but uh yeah, man, yeah, like man, I man. said, I I really appreciate it. Um I don't know if you want to or not. I don't know if you're you're on social media or something and want to shout out your, your pages or not. Um, or if you want to shout out your business, if, if anybody's in the area and needs to build a house or something, uh, just let people know where they can find you. Yeah, man. It's just, just go to Mac Creek LLC, um, on Facebook. And that's, um, we have, we have quite a pretty good following on there and a lot of pictures and, and, uh, anybody can reach out and, and, uh, touch base. And we, uh, we do a lot of new construction and try to service Southeast Oklahoma. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Andrew, this has been great. I, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on and, uh, maybe we'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, man. I appreciate you asking me, buddy. Mm-hmm. All righty, man. Well, you have a good one and we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks. Bye. And with that, another great episode in the books. Thank you, Andrew, for coming on. Thanks for stopping by the booth a few weeks ago and talking to me for a little bit and uh, and just having the courage to reach out to me and, and uh, coming on the show. So if you're listening to this and you got a big buck story of your own, feel free to reach out to me because you never know what could happen. Might have you on as a guest. Um, one thing I forgot in my intro that I wanted to be sure to cover. So this episode is going to come out Monday. Oh, I just looked it up. Monday, March 28th. That weekend, or this coming weekend, when you're listening to this, 
is the Total Archery Challenge up in Broken Bow that I've been talking about for a few weeks now. Uh, I'm going to be there in some capacity. <laughs> I've yet to figure out what that is. Um, I might bring my trad bow and shoot the course. Uh, I, I threw it out to a couple buddies of mine, and they all have stuff already. Um, but I, I want to be there somehow, some way. So uh, I might even just pull the boat up there, hang out in the parking lot for a while, and then go fishing. But I'm going to be around, so if you're going to be there... Please reach out to me. Let me know. I'd love to meet you. Um, maybe grab some pizza at the Grateful Head there in uh, Hochtown. Um, but yeah, regardless of whether you want to meet me or not, you should just come out and, and do the course there at the Total Archery Challenge. Um, I believe they have three different courses. So they have kind of a, a beginner, an intermediate, and an expert. Um, I think the expert goes out to like 120 yards maybe. Uh, you know, more challenging shots and stuff. And then uh, the medium one is like out to 60 yards, something like that. And then they have kind of a more beginner course too. So, uh, yeah, there's something for everybody. Bring your friends. Head out to Broken Bow this weekend and join us at the Total Archery Challenge. So that's it for me this week. I uh, really appreciate you guys once again. I uh, kind of hinted at, um, a few weeks ago about maybe potentially having some partners coming out. Still in talks behind the scenes, uh, but I think we're going to get a few of those nailed down pretty quickly. So look forward to that. Look forward to new episodes. And that's all I got for you guys this week. So thanks again for listening. And once again, this is the Oklahoma Outdoors Podcast. I will talk Talk to you guys next week.